0: What's the scoop around the NBA? Let's find out with the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. What is going on, NBA fans? This is the first ever episode of the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast with your host, Cody Mallory. Tonight, I am pleased to introduce you to one of my co-hosts, Joe Farrow.
1: How's it going, man? Dude, I it is going very good, very exciting. NBA playoffs happening, a lot of off-season type news already happening some not great news about certain NBA superstars I am so excited to dive into everything and move forward
0: yeah man I mean we used to record a Nets podcast we haven't done it in a couple months so I'm hyped to get back into it Um, like you mentioned there's a ton of content in the NBA right now it's the one league that never misses like it doesn't matter if it's in the middle of the off-season if there's no playoff games happening there's always something going on. That's what I love about the NBA. Um, there's so much drama in addition to the actual games being played that it's really there's storylines year round.
1: Honestly, yeah. I mean, the NBA season is essentially like like the WWE in a sense, <laughs> as our friend Scoop B always says. the The NBA is the new WWE. There is constant storylines. It's fifty two weeks a year, literally never sleeps. So it's we're we're both transitioning from covering just the Brooklyn Nets to the entire league, as if following the Brooklyn Nets in itself wasn't enough drama. Now we're, now we're all the way to the full league, and I'm very hyped to cover it all. I mean, yeah, I don't want
0: to talk too much about the Nets right now, obviously, yeah, about the playoffs, no. but I just I need to be able to talk about basketball during the playoffs, and the Nets haven't given me that, so here we are.
1: And but, it doesn't necessarily look like they will be moving forward too much. Yeah.
0: So before we go on Rampage about the Nets, because trust me, we could do that for the whole podcast, but we're not going to. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we dive into all the content on this first episode, I just want to very briefly give kind of an outline of what the show is going to be going forward. So obviously myself, Cody Mallory, and Joe Farrow is one of the co-hosts. Um, And then we also have Anthony Dittmar, who unfortunately is unable to join us tonight, but he will be on in the future as another co-host. We have lives, so all three of us will not always be here, but there will always be at least two of us. The plan is to record at least twice a week, um, maybe sometimes three if there's some crazy news that's going on. Um, And we're just going to talk about the NBA. Like, whatever's happening, we're just going to talk about it. We're independently run. We can talk about whatever the fuck we want, Joe. Like, we don't have to follow any rules or anything. We're just going to talk ball, free agency, like you mentioned. We got the playoffs right now. The NBA lottery happened tonight. Um, there's a ton to talk about, and that's what the show is going to be about. Anything you want to add, Joe?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't really think you have. I have anything else. It seems you've covered it. I mean, you already mentioned it. Why don't we dive into the lottery a little bit? Yeah, so obviously –
0: Main thing with the lottery. I think we can both agree. The San Antonio Spurs get the first overall pick. Um, damn it, they did it again. <laughs> right. And it's like everyone – I mean, there's a bunch of memes going on. Like, Greg Popovich is never going to retire. It seems like every <laughs> 10 to 15 years, they land the, the, the generational talent. Like, yep. And they did it again with Victor Wembanyama. You had Brian Windhorse. Who was in France? It was like <laughs> two in the morning interviewing Wemby like he was just drafted, which was hilarious to me. Because like, the draft
1: there is zero chance the Spurs pick anybody else.
0: <laughs> like the draft did not happen yet. Like I'm newsflash. The NBA draft is did not happen tonight. But they're interviewing Wembayama like Wembayama, like he was drafted by the Spurs. Now obviously he's going to the Spurs. No one else is going to the Spurs. I just thought it was funny. The way Wendy was uh, asking him questions.
1: And it wasn't even like he was just like alluding to it. He goes, the Spurs are going to get what kind of player? And, like, right. like, th- those are the type of questions he was asking. It was actually hilarious. I,
0: I think at the end he even said like, congratulations on going to
1: the Spurs. <laughs> like, yeah, like- <laughs> Wendy is hilarious man like he he always finds a way like he i feel like ever since he did that whole what's going on in utah with the finger pointing, he's just kind of leaned into just being like the funny nba
0: <laughs> like, yeah and then besides the spurs um let's just go through the whole order just i mean i'm sure everyone that's listening to this already knows it but we got the pelicans at 14 raptors at 13 Thunder at 12, Magic 11, Mavericks at 10, the Utah Jazz at 9, the Wizards at 8, Pacers at 7, Magic at 6, Pistons at 5. And in the top four, we got the Rockets, the Trailblazers, the Hornets, and the Spurs. Um, First thing I want to say, the Mavericks pick did not fall out of the top 10, which means they do keep that pick that was uh, traded to them from the Knicks in the Kristaps Porzingis trade. When I say keep, they keep this year's pick. It will convey at some point in the future. Um, obviously, Mark Cuban was fined $750,000 because he very obviously told the Mavs to tank to keep that pick. Um, my take, Joe, that's probably one of the best $750,000 Mark Cuban has ever spent. Like Any can... NBA owner, if you say, oh, you can pay, what, like point zero 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 one of your net worth to get a top-ten NBA pick? They're all going to
1: do it, right? Yes. And obviously, Mark Cuban is one of the wealthier owners in the NBA. I mean, like, he got fined towards the end of the season and that the the exact fine. And then he matched it and donated it to a charity just to say, like, screw the league. Uh, (laughs) He just legit went bar for bar with the NBA. That was one of the funniest things I had ever seen. Um, Another pick that uh, conveyed or that didn't convey yet was the number 11 overall pick. Um, staying with the Orlando Magic because if that was going to be with the Bulls if it fell within the top four, I believe it was. It was top four protected. But the Magic, it ended up being number 11. So the Magic keep that pick from the Nikola Vucevic trade. And again, obviously that will be conveyed in the future at some point.
0: Yeah, and I just want to say one last thing about the Mavs pick. I love to see the Knicks getting screwed. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah that's a good throw a little
0: shade but um all right let's dive into what's really important the rest of the teams near the top first i want to say man the pistons they just got to stop speaking. they gotta give up
1: those poor poor mm-hmm. pistons man
0: right they uh they sent ben wallace tonight and he didn't bring them any luck they landed the fifth overall pick um and then you got the rockets at four And then it gets really interesting with me at two and three. You have the Hornets land two. You Mm -hmm. got the Trailblazers land three. You would think the Hornets are not interested in Scoot Henderson with the second pick, Mm -hmm. which means they're probably gonna take Brandon Miller. So
1: great for them, honestly. Like that's right. So or worst case, you move back because number two is gonna be highly coveted because even though Victor Webinyama is the consensus number one and a huge asset to, I mean, the Spurs are not moving out of that. Like Vic, Victor is no. going number one, but two yeah. and three, the, the trailblazers, it already came out that they would probably look to trade their pick just to stay in win now mode with Damian Lillard, like seemingly every off season. Like he, it seems like, okay, is this the year he's going to ask out kind of thing? Is he tired of this? Um, They already said like, if it's not number one, they're probably going to try to trade it. So like that's yeah. a key spot, and then the Hornets as well, unless they just stick and pick Brandon Miller, which would not be a bad pick by any means, because Brandon Miller is uh, exceptional. So, yeah. and he's exactly what the Hornets
0: need. So he's- if they do, if they do keep that pick, they're not picking Scoot. Like he doesn't pair well with Lanello, Um, which, like you said, leads to the Trailblazers. And when they try to trade the pick to get win now players for Dame. Or would they take Scoot and trade Dame for future assets? Like, they're going to be one of the biggest dominoes that are going to have to fall in the offseason. Is what way do the Blazers want to go with their future?
1: Uh huh. It's kind of, it's very reminiscent of last offseason. Like, how, like, when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were both in limbo, and that essentially held up the entire NBA offseason. Like, we didn't really get any movement throughout the entire offseason outside of, like, Donovan Mitchell being traded until we had a firm answer on what both of those two superstars were going to do. It seems like that could be another situation very similar to that with Damian Lillard and that number three overall pick.
0: 100%. Because I don't think Dame's going to want to be paired up with Scoot. They just don't fit well. Um, They also have Anthony Simons already. So they
1: have a ton of young talent in Portland very guard heavy over there in Portland. I mean, they got some solid other, like some very solid options at other positions. I mean, they have Jeremy Grant who is like Jeremy Grant can literally fit seamlessly onto any NBA team and just play his role to perfection. And Yusuf Nurkic, obviously he's had some health concerns, but he's a solid, he's a solid center to, to have on your NBA team. But it's like that team just, it's almost to a point where like James Harden was in Houston, you know, it's like you gave it as much of a run as you can, but it's like, at what point, are you just going to accept that, like, I'm not going to win here, you know, and, like, just try to move on? Um, Very, very similar situation in my eyes, but it's I, – I feel it's definitely going to be a huge, huge storyline to follow, no matter which direction they go.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Because if they do decide to keep Dame, they're likely trading the number three pick in the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. If they decide to move on from Dame – They're trading, although aging, a top, I don't want to argue, top 15, top 20 player in the NBA. Like, either way, it's going to be, it's going to shake the league up. And, I mean, we'll get more into free agency once the playoffs are over. Um, But there's a lot of teams. There could be a lot of movement um, in the offseason. We have the new CBA, obviously, which we'll dig deeper into in a couple weeks, Um, go through all the new rules. And why it's going to be harder to build these super teams, and why teams might get off of players. Like one yeah. quick example, you look at Boston. Like if they want to keep the Jalen's, they're going to be paying. I think it was like six hundred and something million dollars.
1: Yeah, it's absurd. And I mean, it's essentially. I feel like it could be heading towards a direction, very similar to the NFL in a way, where it's like you want guys on rookie contracts, like right. ra- than rather than having to pay these guys and just completely screw your cap situation because. That amount of money is absolutely absurd between two players. And I mean, obviously, they are both amazing players. But like at that point, it's kind of like a pick one situation, you know, like it's like you're going to have to get off of one unless you're going to screw your entire cap situation, unless the cap goes up in an absurd fashion. Yeah, or
0: like maybe they have to move off of Marcus Smart or something. They're going to have to do something unless their owner just doesn't mind paying. But like I said, we'll dive full into the offseason when the playoffs are over.
1: Um, is there anything else you want to touch on with the lottery? Um, an interesting thing with the lottery is that, like I said, the Magic, they now hold the number six and the number 11 overall pick. They could be in a spot like uh, where the Hornets are at. They could be a team primed to move up to the number two spot if they really wanted to to pair another top, like a top guy with Paolo Banquero and obviously Franz Wagner and other guys they got over there, but number two, number six and number 11 to move up to number two would be number two or number three would be pretty sweet. Like to move up into the top three. I mean, you move back four spots from your original slot. If you're the Hornets moving back and then you also get another top 11 pick like that, that would be, I think a solid move, but um, yeah, those poor Pistons and poor Rockets, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, uh, yeah, just jumped up and and like the lottery was pretty boring at first, and then it got very interesting very quick.
0: Yeah, like I, I we didn't even have a dog in the fight or whatever, and it's like I was anxious just watching it. I was like, ah. I mean, I'm not a fan of any of these teams, but I was just like, oh my goodness, like I can't imagine if I was a fan. Like Nyama is like generational, like Woj has been going off on Sports Center saying, like the best prospect in any team sports history. Yeah. Like he's, I mean, he's seven foot five with a seven, nine wingspan and he can play like a guard. Yeah.
1: And we also, so, we also got to make note of the fact that like any team that ends up with a top three pick this year should be very happy. I mean, you're obviously yeah. disappointed that you're not going to get Webb and Yama, but it's similar to how Evan Mobley went, like was not the first overall pick last year, but it's like, in any other draft, he is the number one overall pick. If Victor Webinyama did not exist, Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson like are obviously like capable of being the number one overall pick, and you should be very happy if you land either one of them. So any team that ends up trading for one of those top three picks, or if any of those teams stick and pick, you should be very happy with the result, I think.
0: Right. I mean, it's it's a great constellation prize. Like obviously. <laughs> Obviously, you want the seven-foot-five freak that no one's ever seen before,
1: but... Yes, that, that can just lace you up from downtown and literally shoot over you. Like, the literal definition right. of shooting over you, the guy doesn't have to jump, and he'll get his jumper off clean, and will shoot a solid percentage from downtown. Yep, 100%. He like an absolute beast, because obviously he has more reach than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... My God, but Scoot and Brandon Miller for sure are also very, very good talents that no team in the top three should be upset about. And then other teams within the top five, 10, if the Thompson twins are also incredible, like there's a right. lot, a lot of talent in this draft. Now I am a little worried that it might be a little more top heavy than we've seen in previous years. Cause in a couple, like we've seen a lot of very high quality NBA players go in like the teens or the twenties or even the second round recently, but there, there is a lot of great talent at the top of this draft.
0: 100%. And we will dive into all the talent as we get closer to the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if these picks are moved, it changes things 100% based on which teams are actually selecting where. Um, so we'll get more into that. Um, before we go into the playoffs, let's just really quickly go through a couple miscellaneous topics. Um, let's start with the coaches that are being fired. So, Doc Rivers today was the latest pretty big-named NBA coach to be fired. Um, with him being fired, now the three coaches that had the like best winning percentage over the last three seasons have been fired. With that being Doc Rivers, um, Mike Budenholzer, and Monty Williams. Coach Bud, Monty Williams, and Doc. Um, They're all on the open market, which also, in addition to that, leaves coaching open uh, vacancies for the 76ers, the Suns, and the
1: Bucks, which are three championship-caliber teams.
0: Or at least they think they're three championship-caliber teams.
1: And we didn't even mention that Nick Nurse is on the open market as well. Correct. (laughs) Like, there is coaches aplenty available. And it seems, for the most part, that there might just be a coaches shuffle. Exactly. to those teams because I, I all those guys are great i mean i'm not the highest on doc rivers because i've seen that man lose what was it was five straight game sevens <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> whatever but um you know but and not even to mention five straight game sevens when you've had a lead in the series in the series previously right so, so it's like doc seems to have a history but <laughs> Nick Nurse, NBA champion coach, Mike Boonholz, NBA champion coach, and then uh, Monty Williams, obviously the best coaching, the best record, uh, coaching wise in the NBA over the previous uh three years or whatever it was. There are some great coaches out there to go, and not even to mention some other, I mean, JJ Redick is getting interviews, which is incredible. Right. Uh, uh, Sam Cassell is still out there, a lot of guy, he's been shown a lot of interest before. Uh, there's there's potentially huge coaching shifts in some very important contending teams moving forward.
0: Joe, I got to ask you, do you think Ime Udoka is kicking himself for taking the Rockets job? <laughs>
1: I mean, I would assume so. But at, with what Ime Udoka has gone through, I feel like he is probably just happy to take whatever opportunity he could get at this point. Because on one hand, taking the Rockets job, obviously not the most favorable position because it's a very young team and you're not necessarily expecting to be a contender immediately unless you have an, an absolutely absurd offseason with all the cap space they have. Um, But at the same time, it's like if Ime Udoka is on the open market along with uh Monty Williams, you're pro- I would assume Monty Williams beats out Ime Udoka for whatever his top destination is. Um, I would assume Doc Rivers, just based on his history, uh, his uh, championship pedigree, I would assume he gets some other looks as well. I think I would still take Ime Udoka over Doc Rivers. Um, Mike Budenholzer, obviously championship history. He is also a guy known for not necessarily making proper adjustments within series, but I digress. <laughs> uh, and then Nick Nurse, also a championship coach, on just like he the Raptors were just, I feel like, in like a very awkward position with him. You had some stars, you had some young guys. Uh, I feel like the Raptors were expecting to take a much bigger leap this off this year with uh second year of Scotty Barnes, and they just didn't for whatever reason. Uh some guys underperformed, some guys, yeah. I think just some guys really just underperformed I feel like Nick Nurse is was kind of a scapegoat for that but that team wasn't necessarily built for contention i don't think
0: i think they had an awkward roster truth really, i don't think
1: they really really they, did that's exactly what i was trying to say like it's very they awkward.
0: had like they had talented guys but they just didn't they all kind of did the same thing mm-hmm. and they just didn't like mesh well together so that's another team Hint that we're going to be discussing in when we talk about free agency of another team that could be looking to move, like a Pascal Siakam or someone like that, to kind of shake up how their roster is constructed. They've got a um, lot of
1: guys in limbo for sure.
0: Yep. And I just want to say something about uh, Mike Boonholzer. Like, I feel bad for him, man. He loses, he loses Giannis, who is a top three player in the NBA, to injury. And his brother died during the series. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I I get that he probably would have been let go if he did not win that championship a couple years ago when obviously the Nets players got injured and then they beat the Suns in the finals, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, if he didn't win a championship that year, he probably would have already been let go. But I still think, like, I still think coaches take too much blame. Like, I know Doc's history isn't the best, but, like, he's a championship coach, man. And James Harden and Joel Embiid shit the bet in game seven. There's no other way to put it. And Those boys were putting up tour dates for their stat lines. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, I get that, like, Doc maybe could be a better X's and O coach or whatever you want to say, but at the end of the day, like, Joel Embiid was the MVP of basketball. James Harden is a max player. Like, they straight up shit the bed in Boston. thimble is that. And then they also had a lead at game six at home that, and beat and Harden. They did nothing down the stretch, and Jason Tatum just went off. And that's how you lose a series. Like, Jason Tatum was the best player um, the last four minutes of game six. He was horrible before that. Mm. And then game seven, obviously, he went crazy, breaking Steph Curry's record for most points in a game seven. And it's like, yeah, I get that, that in a long time, <laughs> right? yeah, right? <laughs> what, like two weeks, yeah. <laughs> I get that Doc has the history of losing in game sevens. I'm pretty sure he has like the most losses in game seven, but he also has the most game 7 ever coach. And it's like, I don't know, man, it just doesn't sit right when the MVP doesn't show up and it's the coach's fault. Like James Harden and Joel B, they just didn't look bad, like they looked disinterested,
1: yeah. And, I mean, that's also a thing. I mean, like, Joel Embiid has won five playoff series in his entire career, and you go back and you look at the rosters, the starting fives of the teams that he beat in the playoffs, they are not good. They are not good at all. He beat two very – I believe two of them were actually against the Brooklyn Nets. They were, yeah. They were, like – like, obviously, this year's roster wasn't necessarily great and, like, a thrown-together kind of puzzle that was not finished (laughs) (laughs) they beat the young nets where it was Dinwiddie, Lavert Allen and all those guys and then it was like a Raptors team that was like the year before they got Kawhi and there was like a cup there was two others that I'm forgetting but like they were not good rosters that he has beaten in the playoffs and it seems that the process is still ongoing and even though Joel Embiid's an NBA uh, an NBA MVP this year if James Harden leaves and they don't find a way to make that roster like significantly better very soon, uh, we could be looking at a Joel Embiid on the move by next offseason. So it's, yeah. it's got to be in a rush. The process is, has a clock on it for sure. <laughs> and I don't
0: want to just bash Philly because you can make the same argument about the Suns. Like Absolutely, did yeah. Ma- did Monty Williams really deserve to be fired? Like they lost Chris Paul and they lost DeAndre Ayton. Like he's coaching –
1: I don't think all oh, deserve to be fired at all, bro. Like
0: It's it's already a slim roster after acquiring Durant by giving up Bridges and Cam Johnson. You could it, argue they, sh- they should have just kept Jay Crowder at that point because they had room for him. But anyways, and then they lose Chris Paul, who sure, he's not the same player, but he's still one of the best point gods in the league, like can run an offense. And with Durant and Booker, like that's all he has to do. And then DeAndre Ayton, they just needed a big guy to guard Jokic. Like that's all they needed him for. Like, and you lose reality, those two
1: guys. It, right. In reality, you're not guarding Jokic. Like it's nothing's gonna stop him. You can only hope yeah. to contain him, and it's like you nobody really could even do that. And I mean, I mean, right. I think probably the best chance that there is is probably Anthony Davis <laughs> right now. While we're recording this, and the Lakers are already down by 18 in Game One. Yeah,
0: um, while well, Jokic is cooking him. The man had like 12 rebounds in five minutes of gameplay.
1: Yeah, I know he's absurd. It's just like it. Nobody's stopping him. That's the thing. Like you're
0: not. He has 19.16 rebounds, seven assists, and two blocks at halftime. I just want to put that out there against Anthony Davis, who is largely considered one of the best big men in basketball. Who. Had his off year last year, but he's been good this year. He's been good at the playoffs. Like, he's part of the reason why the Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals.
1: He's he's been incredible, honestly, Anthony Davis. He's been a block machine. I've made a lot of money off of Anthony Davis blocks and (laughs) (laughs) double-doubles.
0: But, like, one last quick thing on the coaches. I do agree with you. I think it's just going to be a shuffle. I would bet you out of, what, the four or five coaches that we mentioned, at least three of them will be a head coach next year on a different team.
1: I was going to say the exact same thing. At least three of them are finding new homes.
0: Yeah. And find, not waiting a year, like finding new homes immediately. Starting next season, they will be coaching as a head coach in the NBA. Yep. If I had to bet, I would bet you Doc Rivers is an off. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah,
1: I, he would be my one that I would think does not get Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then in addition to all of the coaches – I don't want to talk about this for a long time, but we do have to mention it. The John Morant situation. Um, I just want to say what Adam Silver said to Malika Andrews tonight before the lottery. And I quote, he said, honestly, I was shocked when I saw the video this weekend. The video is a bit grainy and all of that, but I am assuming the worst.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw I saw Shams Charania earlier this week. He actually he went on the uh, the Pat McAfee show. He usually does, and he talks about the NBA. Just gets like it gives like a whole general consensus on everything that's going on. He said that um that there could be a severe suspension, and one mm-hmm. of the guys had thrown out the idea of maybe even like a fifty game suspension, which would be absolutely insane. Just the caliber of player that John Moran is to be suspended for that long, but in reality, this is a second offense and it's going to be, it's, it might be a very severe suspension. They might come down hard. Cause at this point, it's like, there's a lot of young kids coming into the league. I mean, you see Mikey Williams, five-star recruit earlier this year. Like he got arrested for like gun possession and stuff like that. Like if you're going to make an example, like now is probably the time to do it, especially on a second offense. And they essentially, they got off very light last time with it. And what did they last time it was like an eight game suspension and they had said like because he was away from the team he already served six or something like that right and then he just like came back essentially immediately after so it's it's certainly um an interesting situation and i hope that i mean last time Josh said like he went to like a counseling thing and he said he got better and from what Shams had said he said Shams had met with Adam so Sil- I mean Ja had met with Adam Silver and like he seemed very remorseful about it that he wouldn't do it again type of thing and then right. it happens for a second time within three months and it's like at this point what options do you have left it's like you've got to I feel like they have to like crack down hard on it and just like make an example out of it and like move on so that it doesn't happen again, so that these guys know exactly what will happen if something like this happens again. Right,
0: and I want to – I mean, I watched the Malika Andrews and Adam Silver interview, like, he looked visually disturbed. Like, he was – like he said, he mentioned how it's not just, like, a regular player, it's, like, a star that has a huge following. And he was like, when I talked to Shaw, like, I, thought, I felt that like he understood that um Stephen A. Smith said you're looking at a commissioner now talking about Adam Silver who is looking to dissuade repeat offenders he is going to send a message um I mean everything is pointing to a long suspension for John Morant I just want to say like I hope he figures it out um I don't think it's it's like anything that's career ending or anything like I think it'll be like a 20 to 30 game suspension if I had to guess and the NBA is better when stars are playing John Morant is a star Yep, absolutely. the NBA as a league is star driven. When they're playing, the league is going well. So I think we would both agree that we just hope Jaw like gets the help he needs and is fine to go and play basketball again.
1: Absolutely, I could not agree more because Jaw is a, is literally an attraction for the NBA at this point. If even if you're a casual watcher of the NBA, you know this man is like an absolute baller like he is the athleticism that we really haven't seen in a guard since derrick rose and he will go out there and he will drop 30 points on any given night along with 10 assists and just put on an absolute show as the complete star of a contending team
0: i agree and like you said, he's exciting to watch. Like he's dunking over people, not even on
1: people, like literally over them. Like he is insane to watch. Um, I I just want to leave it at that. I would argue that John Moran's missed dunks are even some of the most interesting. (laughs) Yeah. He gets.
0: I agree. And it's like, I think we can all agree. Me and you, everyone, all NBA fans. Like we want to see him on the court. So let's just leave it at that. Let's dive into the playoffs real quick. Um, We'll go further into the playoffs as they continue to progress. Right now, the conference finals has started tonight. It's the first night. Um, It's Tuesday night. We got Lakers, Nuggets right now. And obviously, we got Heat, Celtics in the East. Joe, what's been like your biggest surprise so far in the playoffs? And I mean, there's plenty, there's an eight seed in the East and the seven seed in the West. Like there's plenty of surprises that have happened, but like what has stuck out to you the most?
1: Um, I think honestly, it might be the fact that, cause I'm not surprised by the Miami heat. Like they're a very well coached organization. They have mm-hmm. guys that just tend to show up nonstop. But when when Victor Oladipo and Tyler Hero both went down from Miami Heat, I thought it was ball game. Like that's like a huge hit to your depth at that point. Like you lose two very capable guards and scoring wise, and they still I thought with that the, that the New York Knicks were gonna take them out in like five games at that point. But they've they found a way because the Knicks are a very deep team, and they they were still able to find a way to get through and. It's like I have a hard time. I mean, I still think the Celtics are going to be the team to advance to the finals, but honestly, I'm surprised that they've continued to keep fighting and grinding out games. Um, And then also the resurgence of Jamal Murray throughout the playoffs. He's Mm -hmm. done very well for the Nuggets. He's been really their X-Factor along with Aaron Gordon. He's been great. Um, But uh, Jamal Murray, he's... He's honestly – he's been putting on shows night after night for for the Nuggets along with Nikola Jokic, and he's been a, definitely a huge, huge part of why the Nuggets have gone as far as they have, and I, I'm honestly very impressed. I, I know – I mean, I'm sure maybe some of these listeners haven't really been following our content for as long as we have, but there have been, I think for the last like three years – I've picked the Nuggets to be the team representing the West in the in the finals. <laughs> and it seems like finally they're on their way to do such a thing. So hopefully, hopefully now it is. And I'd love to see Nicole Jokic ball out in an NBA Finals for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's been plenty of surprises. Like so many. I mean, once Giannis went down with the injury, I think everyone would have guessed that like it was a coin flip for who would win the series. And I mean, Miami ultimately won in what, five? But those games were competitive, and playoff Jimmy's different. Like he just is. I don't know how else to put it. He's like he flips a it Other gear. Yeah. But my biggest takeaway is that Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA, mm-hmm. and the Nuggets have kind of gotten this reputation of being a good regular season team who always chokes in the playoffs. But that's put to bed. I think they're going to beat the Lakers in, like, five, honestly. I just think – now, don't get me wrong. Jokic has a great supporting cast. Like, the Nuggets have a very good roster. Like, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, like you were saying. Aaron Gordon's been insanely good for them. Um, they have a good bench with, like, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, giving them good minutes. Like, they have a very good roster, but it I was all – about
1: to say that. The under-the-radar additions of guys like Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, who really haven't, like – you haven't really paid attention to most of the season. Like they're, they are showing a lot now. Like, I mean us, like we said, as like lifelong Nets fans, we know what those type of guys can do, but like really when you're seeing it on the grand stage throughout the entire playoffs, like those guys have been huge along with even some other guys like Christian Brown and like other guys like that, like, They've been they've been absolutely killing it. Like they've they've provided everything that Jokic and Murray and MPJ really need and more. But Gordon has probably been their biggest X factor. He's been great.
0: Yeah, Joe. I just want to give you some stats real quick. So Nicole Jokic is averaging before tonight's game, where he's been absolutely dominating. Going off once again, he's averaging thirty point seven points, twelve point eight rebounds, nine point seven assists on fifty five. 48 79 splits <laughs> that's just absurd and like it's laughable that's an 11 game so it's not like a one game sample size like that is an 11 an 11 games so that's just he's like a center that can't move
1: can't jump but he's so skilled it's insane
0: it's
1: it's absurd it's like it's literally like people think like Luca's absurd to put Luca in a seven foot body and that's literally <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's my biggest takeaway. Um, anything else real quick you want to talk about with the playoffs? We'll dive mainly into the playoffs later in the week when we'll record episode two. Um, anything else you want to talk about with the playoffs, Joe, real, real, real quick?
1: I think I'm all good. Just stay on the lookout for episode two and we'll dive a lot more into a bunch of other stuff. But this is the first episode. We kind of wanted to get like a grand scheme of what's currently happening in the NBA. Very topical stuff. But moving forward, it'll be a lot of basketball analysis as well as the drama, of course. But Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah cool.
0: Like Joe said, I mean, we covered
1: majority of the
0: logistics. Obviously, the lottery was big. Um We'll probably drop another episode, I'm assuming, Thursday of this week. So be on the lookout. We'll dive much more into actual basketball talk with the playoffs. Um, and, yeah, let's wrap up here, Joe. Oh, I'm in. Thank you for listening to the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. Please subscribe, like, comment, and share. We greatly appreciate all the support. Until next time, bye bye